everyone, it's your friendly neighborhood Deadly Diva, aka Shocker Khan, aka Kolioko Ono, aka Full Metal Smack a Chick, and welcome to Outlaw Bar, where we talk about everything great and not so great in the world of anime. And as always, I have with me. Hey guys, this is Chopay. Um, I am Ritzko's Ghost Rider. Hey everyone, it's Tam. Um, this week, I got a new bay, uh, Junkyard Joe from Megalobox. Oh, That's sweet my Jesus. Bay, and that is who I currently belong to. Thank you. Tell him Saitama. <sighs> He'll be all right. Like, once he comes back, which will be sooner than later. Soon come, yes. Um, I will be back in, in line for bay action, but for now, um, I have a new one that has caught my heart. Fine, 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 fine. Alrighty. So on our last episode, we dealt with the really heavy topic of the sexualization of minors in anime. And so for this episode, I thought that we'd switch it up a bit and we'd talk about um, deadly anime children. These are the kids that you don't want to fuck with. Um, They're always here for you. I was like, they are always with the shits. I was like, they will bring the smoke. They have no problems decimating you and your whole entire goddamn world. These are children who, um, for the most part, may may have agency. They may be they may be being manipulated. Maybe being yeah, that sounds right. Um, it does. It does. Um, but these children are like Wu Tang Clan, nothing to fuck with. So, I am going to start it off with. Um, I'm going to go back to my source. I, You know, most things for me go back to Sailor Moon. And I'm going to bring up a young sailor soldier named Sailor Saturn. Now, when you meet her, she um, is a sickly girl. Actually, in the manga, she is a bit of a cyborg because of an accident that she got into. And her father was like this great scientist and managed to save her life by making her, by giving her... Um, robot parts or whatever but as sailor saturn she is the sailor of destruction so when her glaive comes down not only is that it for you and your planet but it's pretty much it for existence as a whole it's pretty much a full system reset everybody's dying granted you'll be reborn but first everybody's dying Reborn is what? What the fuck is this? <laughs> right? Like what? <laughs> no, but everybody everybody gets reincarnated because I think the last time the the first time we hear about Sailor Saturn dropping her glaive is at the end of the Silver Millennium when um Usagi and Mamoru were Princess Serenity and Prince Endemion and sh- it had all gone to shit. So she has to drop her glaive to pretty much reset everything. And then they're re- they're reborn on Earth as Usagi and Mamoru, and they meet or whatever. So when you meet her the second time, Uranus and Neptune and Pluto, their primary job is to stop her from waking up because they know, unlike the Inner Scouts, they know that if Saturn wakes up, then that's the end of the world. So they're like, we can't let her wake up, even if that means killing a child. Of course, Sailor Moon's like, no, we're not killing the children and finds a way to save her. But the fact of the matter is, is that when Saturn wakes up, they're like, shit, this is the end of it all for all of us. That is really, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that at all. 
See, and I want people who are into Sailor Moon to not tell me they're not into some twisted shit. Oh, no. Sailor Moon's full of fuck shit. Yeah, because this sounds like some bullshit. Oh, full of fuck shit. They, They spend an entire season, Uranus, Neptune, and then Pluto show up. Shows up. They spend an entire season trying to find Sailor Saturn for the sole purpose of killing her because they know that if they let the scout in her wake up, then that's the end of it all. And it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And the thing is, Uranus and Neptune are like, listen, you don't have to like us. But what we do know is the last time this bitch woke up, it was bye bye for all of us. She's like, she should not be awake right now. We don't know what's going on, but we need to stop her now. So and that's why when people ask me who's the most powerful scout, I always go to Saturn because she can wipe out existence just by dropping her glaive. Well, all right. Uh, Shopee, you want to go next? I mean, I don't even know how to follow up some shit like that. <laughs> right? like, just what the fuck kind of reset? You know what? Oh, God, it's fine. Um, <laughs> the person that I thought of immediately was probably one of the characters that I hated the most from Recreators. She actually forced me to take a break from the show because I was so angry. Um, her name is Magne. She's the one who looks like a schoolgirl, right? With oh, the long that ponytail. Bitch. Ooh, yeah. yeah. She was the worst. With the very pointy teeth. Yeah, um, she was actually the worst. Her, like, the anime that she came from, like, her whole thing was, like, it was built on deception. Like, in the show notes, I have her as deception bitch. Because her whole thing is she's trying to get you to essentially agree to, like, a lie. She's trying to catch you in some sort of logical fallacy or something like that. So you end up going around in circles with her. But once you engage her, it's over. And she loves to kill. She loves to sow discord. And deadliness to me isn't always just about murdering. She basically sets up some characters. She pits them against each other with lies so that they end up fighting each other to like the death. Like one character fucking ends up killing it like one character ends up dying because of her horse shit. Um, and it's not it's not to say that she doesn't kill because she definitely killed um, a character, like just like a shopkeeper or something. Y'all, if you saw Recreators, you know the scene I'm talking about. Fucking blood all over the walls, like just like all over the place. Yeah, her thing is like a lie on a lie. Some, like she like builds on lies to get like, and she also steals power yeah it's just just the same way that lies rob the person that you're telling the lie of of their own power levels anime has lessons when you lie to someone you take away their power from them you you eliminate the ability for them to keep their own power but she just like she's just a messy bitch but not even like a good one like she's she's not joanne the scammer with the mess she's just like tells a bunch of lies and then niggas end up dead um she was without a doubt the very first person that I thought of because she was deadly in the sense that people die, but she was like supremely dangerous. Um, Cause how do you like, how do you counter something like that? Unless you just like, don't speak to her. Yeah. She's, she is super, man- she's very manipulative in trick. Like she does a lot of uh, mind games with you, which fucks people up and ends up fucking them up in the end. 
Um, mine is Hibana Dida from um, Dead Man's Wonderland, which I like totally forgot about until I started researching this this topic because I think I watched that about two or three years ago. Um, and actually, after I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I need to revisit this because it was so Dead Man's Wonderland was dark." And it was very violent, but it was really good. And I'm mad there was never a second season, but I digress because a lot of my shows that I love don't have second seasons. Looking at you, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. But anyway, um, Hibana, she's like eight years old. She can't be more than 10, okay? She's this little girl. She has this huge fucking sword and... What she does is she basically tortures her victims until she executes what she deems to be her final uh, justice. Um, She goes around um, seeking out people that she thinks should be killed and basically fucks them up with this big ass sword. And you're like, how can this little itty bitty child hurt me until she she starts filleting your limbs off? Okay. Yeah, she's she was wild. Like after I saw her picture, I was like, "Oh yeah, you was a wild bitch. You was a little wild bitch." Um, so yeah, that is my pick, Hibana. Don't fuck with her. Alrighty, so um, next up on my list of deadly anime children is Tanya from Saga of Tanya the Evil, or some people may know it as Yoko. Was it Yoko Senki? Yeah, I believe it's Yoko Senki. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Yojo Senki. My apologies. Yojo Senki. So Tanya is the the main character in this series, the saga of Tanya the Evil. When you meet Tanya, Tanya isn't exactly well, she isn't a child. She is a salary man who is murdered by the person that he just fired. Because he was an asshole in life. He fired some person, was like, fuck your feelings, fuck your wife, fuck your family. You gotta go. So while he's waiting for the train, the train is approaching and the man he just fires pushes him onto the tracks. He dies. While he's there, like he's in between life and death and he's basically blaspheming God. Like he's talking directly to God (laughs) and he's like, yo, fuck you, nigga. I don't believe in you. You're not real. I'm dying. So this must be a hallucination. Fuck your feelings. Fuck everything. So what they do is what God does is has the salary man reborn as a girl living in an alternate version of Europe during world war one. So, and there's like some, there's like some odd deal between him and God. Like basically like if he, if he dies, I think he goes like straight to hell, something like that. I can't remember exactly. So what Tanya does, cause she's like, a, she's not just like a girl in this, in Europe. She's a poor orphan child in Europe. So what she does is she manages at the age of nine to enter the Empire's Mages troops and is promoted to second lieutenant. So basically she, this little nine-year-old girl, when when she first gets in there, is running all types of troops, all types of strategies. Like she's good at what she does. If you want to get rid of enemies, completely decimate populations, Tanya is the person for you. She thinks nothing of it and she understands because even though she's in a nine-year-old body in this world, she has all of the knowledge and the memories of her former life. So she knows how wars work from the outside. 
So like when she's trying to explain to them, you know, yeah, you know, you've won this war, but you're leaving, you're leaving a vacuum for your enemies to kind of group together and they're going to, she's like, they're going to come together and they're going to try to attack you. And they're like, oh no, 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 no. Uh, and that's what ends up happening. But Tanya thinks nothing of, of killing because she knows, because basically her entire life is her trying to stay alive and she won't, what was it? And she is not trying to die. She does everything in her power to stay alive. And if is this that means, the one that came out last year? This one came out, I think so. Yeah. Last year. Okay. Yeah, Saga of Tanya the Evil. I was I know I recommended it a couple of times because it really is good. It's one season long. Um but yeah, she she's good at she's really good at what she does, but she will kill you. Plain and simple. I respect it. That's my kind of energy. Okay. I will go with the next one. Um so I put down Sasuke as a deadly child, but it's I feel like deadly and like focused and murderous, I guess they can all go together because Sasuke was willing to kill the people he grew up with to avenge his family. And I'm not really sure now that I'm saying it out loud, if that even qualifies as being deadly as much as it's just somebody who's hell bent on revenge. Um, But he's absolutely was with the shits. Um, But in the broader term of deadliness, all of those fucking hidden leaf children were murderous. Like, you just weaponize a bunch of children, give them powers, teach them jutsus, and, you know, just watch your back with all of those niggas, I guess. Um, so I guess I'm going to change my answer from Sasuke to the entire, to all of the youth in the Hidden Leaf Village. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so just 100% of those children, like, I guess with like the, uh, like minus like Rock Lee, I guess. Not that he wasn't like a badass, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him deadly as it were. Uh, but yeah, that's my response. Thanks. I love how, like, no matter how hard we try, things always come back to Naruto and or DBZ. It bees like that. But yeah, I just, that's a, just an observation on my, on my side. <laughs> yeah, I don't have, an, I don't have another one because, you know, I just don't. Oh, you know who's a good one? Even though she wasn't like a bad person, but was like really deadly. Mume from Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. And I feel like we bring her up. Yeah, I feel like we bring her up a lot in various topics because she had she was a character that had a lot of depth. Um, But Mume will fuck you up. Okay. True. Uh, especially because she had, was the one, she, she had, had the knives little knives under she, her shoes. Yeah, yeah, she had knives on her shoes. Like she would definitely like whoop that ass. So I'm gonna add her to our list of deadly children. She was. I considered her, but also because I love her so much, I feel like I mention her a lot. But also, like, I guess, I guess she is actually deadly because she doesn't kill just for sport. She is essentially a weapon. Yeah, but see, when I think of deadly, that doesn't mean, like, you're killing for good or bad. Like, you're just a threat. Deadly, to me, is just, like, you're a threat, point blank, point blank period. And Mumei, if you're putting her in a battle, she's definitely going to be a very formidable opponent. Mm, so, okay. you know, when you see her in action, like, yeah, she's whooping that ass. <laughs> Mumei's whooping that ass. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. 
and Zeta's eyes. Um, I I guess at this point we are we've reached the end of our little round robin. Um, we listeners, have one more. Oh, you do have one more. Okay. <gasps> oh yes, oh, the yeah, the, de- yeah, yeah. the deadliest of deadly anime children. Go ahead, show Wow. Uh, Jack the Ripper from Fate Apocrypha. Wear her um, panties. Just put some yeah. put some put some <laughs> pants her, on the baby. Where are her pants? Why did she naked. get some cute like workout shorts? But okay, continue. Like straight up naked, but she fits the profile to me of a deadly child because she was literally a child, first of all. So her behavior, her mannerism was absolutely childlike. But she was snatching niggas' hearts out. Like she was reaching for snacks, you know, from the cupboard. Like it didn't make one difference or the other. And then she tortured people. Like that was also like the added creepiness factor because the juxtaposition of someone who is giggling like a small child, who is also like, well, just tell me what I want to know. It'll be over for you sooner if you just give me the information. And then she rips a nigga's heart out. <sighs> it it just like the whole thing was very overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't she eating, like, innards of people for, like, that was her sustenance? Yeah, like, the the magician's hearts. She used that as, like, power-ups. Yeah, yeah. Jack the Ripper was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That whole, like, especially when you got to, like, who Jack the Ripper was, it was a lot. Yeah. Poor baby. Poor baby never stood a chance. Really, she didn't. R.I.P. Alrighty, so now we have reached <laughs> the end of our round robin of Deadly Anime Children. Listeners, if you have um, any more examples of Deadly Anime Children, and by children we mean people from middle school and younger. Once they, if there's a time skip and they're in high school, we're not considering them children. Um, because part of the deadliness is the fact that their faces don't quite don't quite show how deadly they are. Like you're fooled because they're young and they're innocent and they seem sweet. Um, but if you have any of those, you know, you can always hit us up on the timeline and let us know. We love to hear from you guys. Um, and now it is time for the re-emergence of Notice Me Senpai. Wait, wait, wait. We what, what, what? Re- we need to do our recap. We need to talk. We, we want re- the Franks. Okay. Oh, speaking of murderous children, because these are middle schoolers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, so as you all know, we'll get back to Notice Me Senpai in a minute. As you all know, me and Tam love us some gosh darn darling in the Franks. It has come some, on now, so come on in the room, Pastor. Come on. Granted, it has some problematic imagery, but when you realize that you're dealing with young people who um don't have any real concept of healthy human relationships because they're not shown any. Like, if you've ever seen that old movie from the 80s with Brooke Shields, um, Blue Lagoon. Oh, yeah. yeah where that's those, a good example. Where those, yeah. two, where those two kids are stranded on the island and basically they grow up with each other. So they start off being, you know, like brother and sister and they end up, you know, becoming lovers because they're not genetically related. Um, they end up becoming, becoming like clumsily becoming lovers. Like, as I'm watching Darling in the Franks, that's what I'm seeing, like kids who have been left to their own devices with minimal adult supervision us outside of the military operation pretty much learning what it is to be human like what it is to be you know to come into their own sexuality and like their their um adolescence but it's 
we're on episode like what 16 17 i don't know uh we're on episode the most recent episode without the kind of um you know how anime it does like the recap yeah episodes so if you're not counting the recap episode we're technically on episode 18 18 wow okay. the but yeah the most recent episode is ep- technically episode 18 yeah Oh, there's there's just so much going on with Darling and the Franks. And once again, if you are not watching this series, I don't know what is wrong with you. I don't know what the fuck is your problem looking at you, Chopin. Just saying. Yeah. The fact that, you know what, you're charging me up, but you actually do know what my fucking problem is, okay? Okay, You know what the problem is. But I need you, I need you to really prioritize and make this anime a priority. Yes. Okay, because it is so messy so messy it is so messy and it's like a really good ya novel yes (laughs) it's like a really spicy ya novel that is in anime form that is like the best way that i can put it what was it women the older girl that's nana right yes what was it Na- Nana, did she slip that she don't have reproductive organs? Because I was like, what did this mean? Yes, say? okay. So the whole thing with Darling in the Franks, if you're new, again, not sure why you're not watching it. It's on Crunchyroll, and I just learned it's on Hulu. So get it how you live, family. Um, the whole thing with Darling in the Franks is that you, again, I feel like we've explained this premise a couple of times, but you have these children. They're essentially child soldiers who operate mecca and they are operated in female male pairs um this squad i think they're squad 13 yeah um they're kind of like this special squad and we're not and i'm still not sure why they're special but they have um it's it's a group of i want to say three to three three or four boys four boys and four girls Right. Um, And then you have Zero Two, who's kind of like a half human, half, I think it's Clossosaur is the name of the um, creatures that they fight. And she pairs up with Hero. They have this like really special connection. You find out that they actually knew each other as children, but the adults wiped their minds so that they didn't remember. But true love conquers all and they did remember. Okay. Basically. All right, are you are you with me guys? All right. So, you have adults and you have Nana, I forget the other guy's name, Hachi. Who, Hachi. You have Nana and Hachi who are their essentially caretakers, their mentors, like basically who kind of give them their assignments of the battles that they're supposed to be fighting. And it gets to a point because Zero Two and Hero um they were never supposed to ride together. But she was like, no, bitch, like, you're my man. Like, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I don't want nobody else but Hero. That's my darling. Hence, darling in the Franks. Okay, um, before before you go on, let me just say, mm-hmm. fuck Ichigo. Fuck yes, you, Heffa. You, <laughs> you endangered your entire squad because you want to be a, cl- a cock-blocking hater. Right. And so the thing with this is, is that there's the, these kids are learning how to navigate, uh, deeper romantic feelings because, and again, none of this has been explained to them. They don't, because adults, um, I think it, it, it essentially is like when you become an adult, 
these awkward puberty feelings are kind of wiped away. And so Ichigo likes Hiro, but Hiro likes Zero too. Hiro's best friend likes Ichigo. It's, it's just, it's just love triangles all over the squad, right? So at the point we are now, one of the girls decides that she want to have a baby. Okay, okay. now, okay, let's, 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 let's pause right here because now, oh gosh, Kokoro, that's, that's her name, Kokoro. Yes. Kokoro stumbles upon, like, as they're like, because here's what happened. After, like, their last major battle, they were pretty much abandoned by the adults. Like, they left them to their own devices, and the adults are observing them, seeing what they'll do. But they haven't had any real input or um, communication with the adults who are supposed to be, you know, giving them their orders and, you know, taking care of them. Like, they've even lost their caretakers. So, like, they're going through, like, the house that they're living, and Kokoro comes across a book, basically, like, the anime version of what to expect when you're expecting. So she's armed with knowledge. She was like, oh, babies, babies come from humans like us. So I want to have a baby. What what does she know from baby? She's a, she's a smooth 12, 13 years old. She's come across a book that nobody, uh, with something that nobody's ever explained to her because no one ever explains their biology to them outside of the random testing that they have to get done. So she's like, oh, this this sounds like a good idea. And this reminds me kind of of Shimoneta, where they've censored all um, obscene materials, including instructional ones that have um, developmentally appropriate um, themes and words. So she comes across this book, doesn't have the base level knowledge to know what to do with it. So she goes about very clumsily trying to make a baby with one of her teammates. Yeah, what does she do? She do they like high five like, or hey, do they not know what huh? sex do they know what sex is? Like do they end up high five? No. Nobody they don't know anything. They didn't even know like what a kiss was. They don't know what a kiss zero, until yeah. zero two so she explained it to them. She gonna dap up her nigga? Like where's the baby gonna come from? She read the book, so she figured she like she's like, Hey, you know, this is the boy organ. It goes where the girl organ goes. Yeah. Um, I guess and she's like, I guess we'll figure it out on the way but remember like they don't have like the basic knowledge <laughs> so like they're they're stumbling and fumbling when they don't have to and that goddamn doctor is just watching he's like mm, interesting yeah it's like it's weird it's like a weird big brother there's like this whole big brother aspect of it also because they're people know what they're doing and they're just letting them do it yeah they're just letting him them do it. And then you have this like whole conspiracy thing with Papa. And I'm just still like, who or what is Papa? Who or what is Papa? Because everyone's like, we do it for Papa. We doing it for Papa. Papa loves us. Papa left y'all with nobody and y'all had to figure out how to cook. They had to figure out how to cook from random cookbooks that they found in their house. Okay, let's okay, let's not forget about the fact that they they were losing their water supply. Like their water supplies were becoming tainted day by day. <laughs> it's just it's just so fucking so much. Stress, so stressful. And them damn them damn soldiers, the that group of nine that came that keep on calling yes. zero two iota. Iota. They keep yeah, on- they're like this elite breed of parasites that that was who Zero Two was attached to before she got with the 13 group. And they come in and they find the book. They find the book about um, having a baby. Having a baby. And they're like, girl, 
what are you doing, sis? Cause like, this is not allowed. Like this is outlawed. Like we, we don't do this. Okay. Papa doesn't, Papa ain't with the shits. Like this is not what we do. Okay. And she's super upset. And then again, ends up in bed by the end with the boy that she was trying to initially make the moves on because he realizes that he loves her and he has feelings for her. So they end up in bed and like, we don't know. Do they do the do? Find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, girl, because shit is real wild. Yeah. And here's, and, and here's the thing. I'm like, those kids are under constant surveillance. I was like, so was somebody sleeping at the camera? Right. <laughs> right. Because why didn't you step in and be like, mm, cause a mm-hmm. diversion, you know, set a brush fire, get the, so y'all just let the kids hump. Okay. But, um, I know you're an episode behind me, yeah. Diva. So mm, I'm, I'm a watch. I'm a watch. See. I'm a watch. <laughs> you'll see what happens. So much. But you'll yeah. see. So yeah. If you're not watching Darling in the Franks, get on it. Like it's not that long. Like you said, only episode 18. Like the action is good. It's it, really good. It really is. And once you see Ichigo and her hating ass, you will hate her as much as I do because how the hell do you endanger your entire damn plantation because the boy you like don't like you? Like, come yeah. the fuck on. And, and again, like the real, like if you think of like Blue Lagoon and a really good spicy young adult fiction novel, like that is what Darling in the Franks is. And I'm, I'm grown. I still read YA fiction YA is my shit actually (laughs) do see me in my dms if you want to have some combo about that so it is popping but like you like it's guys just watch i was i was screaming all of last week at diva i was like did you watch it because this i have so many words listen i i want to know what i want to know what happened to the to the grown-ups reproductive organs like that's what i want to know what happened Yes, okay, because the thing is, Nana had, like, a meltdown, and they were like, oh, you regressed into puberty? Girl, what? What? Listen, so many questions, so few answers. I need to watch. I need to watch. Alrighty. So that was our anime spotlight for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So now we will get back to Notice Me Senpai, um, a welcome return. Um, as we always mention, you can DM us your questions at outlawbarspod, or you can email them to us. And the email address is outlawbars at bambros.com. So we will start off with, um, a couple of questions from our friend Cult Chocolate on Twitter. And he asked, Hey ladies, I have two quick questions for y'all. One, what is a theme trope or anything in anime that will absolutely make you drop the series immediately, no matter how far or early you are in it? For me, it's incest. I will drop the fuck out of any anime once this pops up, which is weird because I watch Game of Thrones. And then the second question is, who is an anime character that you love or enjoy, but realistically you would probably hate them in real life if they existed? So let's start with the trope. What's one, the one thing that you will see that be like, you know what? I can't bop with this anymore. Incest is one for me. And in like uh, adult, like we mentioned in the last episode, adult child situations. I just, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, I'll co-sign that. Although I don't know that many, like, 
thankfully I haven't encountered an anime where incest is taking place. Um, definitely sexual assault. Like if we weren't watching Berserk for Outlaw Views, I would have thrown my computer away. Like I would have just tossed it out of my home. Um, like that shit, like it stresses me out. Uh, also like really extreme fan service. I remember watching some shit on Hulu and like some kid was narrating. Like he literally was talking about like bouncing breasts and asses. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck? Like we're like in minute like two of the anime. It just started. Um, and it just like made me too uncomfortable. So I'll, I'll, I will agree with everyone else incest, but also like sexual assault. Um, and like really gross fan service. Uh, I mean, like, I love titties like everybody else, but for whatever reason, in that particular uh, episode, it really, it just, it felt gross. And I can't even remember the name because I immediately took it out of my queue. I agree with fan service. Like, I think there's a time and place for it, but there's a point where it just becomes, in some shows, it just becomes like, I don't know, the only word I can think of is just tacky. Like, they're just putting it in there to put it in there. Um I think it can be done. I don't want to even want to say tastefully because it's annoying across the board, but there's a, you know what I mean? Like there's a way like you can, you know, insert a joke about titties and ass or whatever. And like, you know where there's a lot of fan service, but I'm not bothered. Mahi? Seven Deadly, Mahi <laughs> and Seven Deadly Sins. There's a lot of fan service and kind of like, uh, it, I mean, you could say it's like harassment behavior in Seven Deadly Sins, but because that's not like the overarching trope or theme in the show, I can deal with it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The same thing with uh, assault. Uh, I can understand how someone would be like, oh gosh, like sexual assault is too much. I don't want to see it. However, because I tend to watch a lot of darker anime, I don't want to say that I accept it, but I feel like it, it matters to me how it's done because even in um, what's the one I recommended? I feel like at the top of the year, Inuyashi, the uh, the one where the old Inuyashiki, man becomes, yes, Inuyashiki, the one where the old man essentially becomes uh, an android. That one, there is some sexual assault in it, but it wasn't like a main plot point, and it was it was like kind of, I was I want to say it was done essentially like once. And it kind of was done after that. So even, oh, and I guess like Psychopaths too. There was like Assault and Psychopaths. Again, oh, yes. Episode yeah. one. They hit that yeah. shit off with a bang. Yeah. Like um, Psychopaths was also pretty heavy. But again, because I watch a lot of darker things, um, I don't want to say that like I'm desensitized to it. I'm not. It still bothers me. But because that's not like what's carrying it's not carrying and it's not reoccurring. I think if it was a reoccurring thing, then I'm like, all right, y'all, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this, but because it's just, it might be a one-time thing. And if it adds to the plot or how they handle it in the show makes a difference for me, at least. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make mine quick. Cause basically it's the same things. Um, I'm not keen on incest. Um, and usually fan service will take me out sooner than sexual assault will. Um, only because a lot of times the fan service is, I'm going to say excessive fan service. 
Yeah. Like, I watch Food Wars, so, like, the foodgasm is real. People lose their clothes all the time. There are half-naked bodies up and through it, but it's played for a comedic effect, as opposed to High School of the Dead, where you're literally running for your lives because the zombie apocalypse has hit Tokyo, but you still have time for the lesbian shower scenes. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, literally, like, you're barricaded in this apartment, but you still find time to put the lesbians in the bathtub. Gotcha. Um, So I think at that point, I kind of left High School of the Dead alone. I was like, I I can't do it. Um, But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I can't remember the last time, like, I dropped something, like, off the bat, because I think just my spidey sense when it comes to anime is a little bit better than it was when when I first started watching. So I didn't get caught up in as much, I don't get caught up in as much now as I did before, just trying to consume everything that was out there. Um, So the second question is an anime character that you love, but realistically, you'd probably hate in real life if they existed. All of them. True. Like that. (laughs) All of them. I don't think I, I mean, if you, if you know me and you know, A, the kind of shows that I watch, not even just anime, but just in general, you know, I watch a lot of stressful programming. All my shows have me fucking stressed. Okay. Up, up until like this, this past couple of days ago, I was tweeting about a goddamn show that has me stressed. I am always stressed because of the shit that I watch. So everybody in most of the shows that I watch would probably get on my fucking nerves in real life because you just be watching a show and you're just like, God damn, really? This is the decision that we're going to make. Um, so I would say probably everybody, except you know what? Saitama wouldn't get on my nerves. Cause that's basically like my boyfriend in real life. Like there was a tweet, I think about if you could describe yourself as any anime character, who would you pick? And my boyfriend picked Saitama. So I, when I say I date Saitama, it's not like it's real life. It's for real. So he's probably the only person that probably wouldn't get on my nerves because like I date an actual Saitama. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As far as characters, um, I guess in the same vein, I like a lot of really sweet emotional kind of anime and i don't know if i could survive a friendship with somebody who is basically a less fun version of myself um for example i like chise from ancient magus's bride i love her actually but she is incredibly like uh kind of withdrawn understandably she is you know has experienced an extreme amount of trauma and stuff like that but i mean part of me would be like i mean bitch get over it like let's, <laughs> you know let's 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 move past it of course in real life you can't really say that to somebody but i don't i wouldn't want to hang out with her because like what the fuck does she say want to do all the time but you know be in the woods and have like weird hallucinations and get herself near the brink of death and shit like that. That's not my type of party. Uh, so I, I can't, it's like all of the characters. Like I love Gilgamesh from Fate's Day, from the Fate's Day series, but I would want to toss that nigga into a volcano cause he's a piece of shit, you know? So it just, all these characters are trash. Yeah. Like one that popped in my head, um, because I argue um, with a friend constantly about this anime and about these about these two characters. Um, 
but it's shampoo from Ranma One Half. This is an old anime from Rumiko Takahashi, um, same um, mangaka that gave us um, Inuyasha. And shampoo is basically the main rival to what is that hoe's name? I think her name is Akane. I keep calling her the dumb hoe, so I can't remember her real name. But they're both vying for the affections of the same boy. Um, and I love shampoo because, like, she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, I don't care what you were doing before, but I am here now, so I run this shit now. My boyfriend, you go on about your business. But she would annoy the hell out of me if she existed in my world in real life because everything she does loops back to the boy. Like, if she's going on a bike ride, it's down the path that the boy comes down. You know, if she if she makes a special dish at the restaurant, it's to try to woo the boy. Um, like, And while I appreciate her as the antagonist to Akane, I can't deal with that type of behavior in real life. All right, so thank you, Cult Chocolate, for those two questions. Um, I think we answered them pretty well. Um, and this next one, um, our, our next and last one, comes from um, our good friend, Mr. T's staff. Alrighty, and this one is kind of a heavy one, but we're gonna, I'm gonna answer it anyway, because the world needs to know. Um, a very close relative of mine has cancer, and I was wondering, what is the best way to support them? Do you have any suggestions? Um, and if this is too personal, what do you think is a good depiction of supporting a person with illness in anime? Um, first, let me once again say I have been overwhelmed by the amount of support that you guys have shown me um, as I battle this disease. Um, as you can still see, I still have all the shit to talk, so you're stuck with me for a while, so get used to it. Um, but if you have someone facing a fight like mine, um, if you are close by, meaning within like half hours driving distance then they will need actual physical help. Things like, you know, making sure that they have enough water or whatever their food of the day is because mine changes daily. I'm like a fucking toddler. You can give me tater tots today and I won't eat them tomorrow. Um, checking in on them, you know, calling, texting, tweeting, however, smoke signal, however you communicate with this person, just checking in on them a couple of times a week because sometimes, especially... Um, if they're, if the treatment is rough, um, they can feel isolated and you need to know that there are people around you that support you and that are still there. And you'd be surprised how much a, Hey, how you're doing really means. Cause speaking from experience, like I sit in my house a lot cause I physically can't work anymore. So like my friends check in with me daily Tam and Shopei threaten me on a daily basis to make (laughs) it's not like it'd be awesome bitch please respond thank you so much yeah I was like and one thing that um a lot of people don't take into account is that there's a huge emotional toll that goes along with the physical toll so some days I'm really happy and really sunny some days I just want to stay in my bed some days I will yell at you for no reason. And it's not you. It's the fact that I don't have any control over what's happening to my body. So you have to learn um, patience, persistence, and not to take it personal. 
because there will be times when, and it's not going to be about you, when they may lash out. And I'm going to tell you 99.9% of the time, it is not about you. It's the frustration. It's the fear. It's the, just the, just the overwhelming weight of it all. But, you know, just be there. Like I have friends who come and we just sit and watch Game of Thrones sometimes. Or sometimes my friends come and they just let me cry because, you know, everybody wants you to put on a happy face, you know, and God will get you through it and positive thoughts and rainbows and all that bullshit. Listen, none of that helps when you're throwing up because your chemo fucks with you. So just be patient, be persistent, and don't take it personal. Um, Yeah. But other than that, I'm like, and and for the love of God, don't have every conversation being about their illness. I know y'all mean well, but I would rather a Dragon Ball Z question than 50 questions about my treatment or this, that, and the other. Sometimes I don't want to talk about it. So give them the outlet to talk about something other than their disease. Um, yeah. I'll co-sign that. Because, <laughs> uh, well, not... I don't have cancer but like I had chronic illness when I was in my early 20s and it was very visible because I had like some shit going on with like my eyes and stuff but dog if one more fucking person wanted to talk to me about my myasthenia gravis I was going to react okay like (laughs) it's just like yes it is very obvious I look like a hot mess do we have to like to have like a million people be like, oh my gosh, you look so tired. Yeah, no shit. I'm fucking tired. Okay. Like <laughs> my life yeah. is in hell right now. That is why <laughs> I look so goddamn tired. But we don't have to talk about it. We can literally talk about anything else. You want to talk about One Tree Hill? I love that show. Let's discuss that instead. Okay. And like Diva said, being a good supportive friend, and this is a, someone on the other side who is threatening Diva with physical violence. Um, Sometimes you just, you show up for them however you can. You send snacks if you can. Like you're, everyone uses Amazon. Ask your friends what kind of fucking snacks they would like and have them sent to their house or some shit like that. There are places that can send all kinds of snacks. You can't see me right now, but I am winking very suggestively. (laughs) Um, And those types of snacks are appreciated. (laughs) There are a million ways for you to get things like, and think about just like any of your friends who are in need. Like I had friends who were stressed out. I would send like, you know, like there's alcohol delivery services. I remember being in Texas, sending like a bottle of like wine to Tam's house once. She sure did. Like she, she sure <laughs> the fuck did. Okay. And I, it, you know, like there, like there are ways to support people and show them that you care about them. And it doesn't always have to be hand holding. It doesn't always have to be, let's have a conversation about the thing that's stressing you out. You can show up by not even being there. Sometimes people just want your, they want space. They don't need someone under them all the time. So just think about, there are a million ways that you can support someone. So just think about the various ways you can do that. Maybe start with snacks though, because niggas love snacks. snacks I love them. I am a nigga great. and I love snacks. See? <laughs> and, and as someone, like I've never had a, a chronic illness, but... Um, or a terminal illness, but I would think like just hearing um, Diva and Chopay's responses. Also, thank you, Diva, for sharing that and being very transparent in that. I would compare it to also dealing with a friend that might have like really um, serious depression. 
um, in that sometimes that person just like, and also I just want people to know like the three of us are actually friends. Like we are <laughs> in real life. I don't know IRL. if you all know that. Like I don't know if you. I mean, maybe you think just like me and Chope are friends because like we live down the street from each other. But the three of us are actually friends, and so we and and I because speak for show we'll, we'll we give diva space but sometimes it's just a are you good like are you okay um because diva's a crazy person and we'll try to like do the most and like bitch no like you have to be like but sis no <laughs> you know what i mean but just like just a a smoke signal a white flag like you you good okay you good um but like not taking if that person don't want to deal with you don't take that personally like i've been in my i've i've i deal with depression i deal with anxiety and there's sometimes like i just don't have the energy to respond you might send me a text and i look at it and i just be like i i ain't got it and that's legit and it's it don't take it personal if the person responds like two days later or like never responds because it at some point sometimes i think in being supportive, you make it about you and you, you forget because you're trying to be there so much. Like I got to be this good friend and you forget like, but there's an actual person that is dealing with something that is beyond you and everyone's reaction is going to be different and how everyone copes is going to be different. And so don't make it about you and what you need to do. Let that person tell you what they need you to do. And also be honest with yourself if you can give it. Because sometimes you might be going through some life shit and you ain't got it. You, you ain't got it and that's that's honest. And maybe all you can do is send a like, are you okay? Do you need to talk? And sometimes do you need to talk doesn't mean, need, again, like they said, need to talk about the illness or whatever they're going through. It could just be like, sometimes, you know what's funny? I've had people who are going through shit just want to hear what like I'm doing. Yes, and because it's a it's a distraction. Like, no, I don't want to talk about me. Fuck is up with you? What's going on in your circle? Listen, because I have the- become the chatty Kathy. I've become the auntie with all the gossip. I was like, what's going on outside? I'm like, right. I'm like, I'm like, tell me what is going on outside with you, young people, because I need to know things. Right, like I'm, I'm honestly, if do you want to share what's going on with her, she can. But I'd be like, girl, darling in the Franks, what's good? listen listen let's talk about about our stories i appreciate it like that's because a lot of times people don't realize it but when you're going through people can see when your support is more performative Mm. than it is actual support like i've had i've had people like show up to my hospital room or you know to my house and you're not here because you give a damn if I live or die. You're here because I'm the cause of the day. Everybody's right. been talking about Mia is sick. You don't want to be left out because you may look like an asshole if you don't go check on Mia. I don't need that Jesus. shit. <laughs> I can see that shit a mile away. And I have been like, oh, no, I've turned people away from my house. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm taking a nap. Who's going to argue with the girl with cancer who says she's taking a nap? I'm like, I'm Real. taking a nap. I'm like, I'm taking Boundaries. a nap. And that's it. I was like, because I can see that you're with the bullshit. And I'm like, and here's the thing. If you don't give a damn, don't pretend to give a damn. Like nobody, healthy or not, nobody needs that energy in their life. 
I was like, so if you didn't give a fuck about me before I got sick, don't pretend to give a fuck about me now. Just because it's trendy to give a fuck about me. Like, don't do that. That's a word. That, oh, <laughs> that's a, whew, I felt that in my shundo. That's a word. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's really it. Because, you know, I've had friends who, one of my best friends lives in Atlanta. She flew up on a whim to sit with me in chemo one day. And I was like, she was like, where are you? I was like, oh, I'm sitting, um, I'm at the infusion center, you know, it's chemo day. And she was like, where is your infusion center? I was like, oh, and I told her where it was, you know, thinking that she was just like trying to like figure out where, you know, da, 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 da. And then she walks into my little pod. I'm like, you bitch, like you got to warn people before you do that. I would have had on a better t-shirt. Like what the hell? And then, you know, I have friends, you know, who, who aren't able, you know, who just, Send me a text. My, my best friend in California will send me a text a couple times a week. Are you good? Do you need anything? You know, or just she'll send one of those god awful bit emojis. I love you, girl, but these bit emojis are killing me. She'll send one of those bit. She'll send a bit emoji with like a whole bunch of hearts and like smiley faces, and I'll laugh because she knows I think they're ridiculous. But stuff like that. So, like I said, just be persistent because there'll be times when they don't want to be around you. Be patient. Because it's going to be, especially with a chronic illness, it's going to be a long haul. Like, it's not going to be over in a couple of weeks. It's it's a long haul. And don't take it personal because, shit, this really ain't about you. And that's what you need to hold on to. Like, yeah. for a lot of things that your people are going through, it literally has nothing to do with you. Like Tam said, like, you, sometimes they just, like, just like on days where I don't have it, the people that or in my my life that are going through things, they don't have it either. And just think, put that energy into thinking about somebody else. Yeah. So I hope we were helpful to you, um, T staff. Um, I know it was helpful to me because, you know, I had to start, you know, just kind of thinking about like what I need and remembering to ask for it when I need it. <laughs> um, so that is that for Notice Me Senpai. And now we are going to make our way over to the Capo's Corner, where our recommendation, Capo Chopay, tells us what we should be watching. Hello, guys. I'm super excited about this version of Capo's Corner because I feel like I shocked even my own self. Uh, this shit is on Hulu. It's called Code, semicolon, Realize, dash, Guardian of Rebirth. Now, I don't understand who's responsible for the title of these anime, but that's not the point, okay? The title is fucking ridiculous, but the content is great. <clears throat> you have a young girl. Her name is... Wait, so it's um, it's subbed, it's not dubbed. And they go between calling her Cardinal and Cardia. So her name is actually Cardinal, but they call her Cardia a lot. And I don't know if that is a translation thing or maybe I just got it all fucked up. So you start off with this young girl who you see her asleep and you see some uh, some soldiers approaching her. They're basically trying to capture her. It's like a steampunk kind of uh, setting, kind of akin to... 91 days with like the bootlegging type shit but it's like older than that so it's like steampunk era london and you have this young girl she's in a mansion in a tower and her whole thing is she produces some sort of toxin in her body 
that makes her poisonous. So anything that she touches disintegrates, it dies. And this is like not for play play. Like this is like some real shit because the British army is trying to capture her. And they're like, you know, this is a very dangerous monster. Be very careful. So these niggas walk in and they're like, this is a little girl. What the hell are you talking about? And of course, niggas don't listen. So one of these guys, he walks up to her and he was like, aren't you pretty? And he touches her chin. Y'all, all all the skin on his hand burns off. (laughs) Like the shit. Yeah, the shit is gone. Uh, So that it's real as fuck. So in the beginning parts before the army even arrives, you hear like this, um, you hear like a voiceover where the girl is like, you know, I'm dangerous. I'm a monster. No one will ever love me. Blah, 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 blah. So you understand that this is what someone has been telling her. And it's like, you know, we're isolating you for your own good. So you won't hurt anyone. All that kind of shit. Right. So the British army captures her, but they're like, you know, he's like, no, she's still a child. Like we're trying to take her, but we're not trying to harm her. So they don't put her in cuffs or anything like that. Her capture is thwarted by this guy, like like this band of thieves. It's like a pair of dudes. They use like a smoke bomb to disable everybody and they take the girl. Turns out that this girl, uh, it's very cute. When the thief, his name is Arsene Lupin, when he captures her, he says that he's here to steal her heart. Now, I'm like, fuck you, nigga. Nobody has time to talk about, like, you, you know, wooing a girl right now. This is this is dangerous, okay? Like, either take her or don't take her. Turns out the girl has something um, embedded in her chest. It is an actual heart. Like, it's heart-shaped. But it is a piece of uh, kind of, like, magical, like, it looks like stained glass embedded into her chest. But it's, like, self-sustaining, propelled energy. So that is what he meant when he said he's here to steal her heart. He's trying to extract that from her body. And I was like, oh, okay, that's I'm, I'm back on board because I didn't come here for a love story. Uh, and this girl doesn't have any memories. We don't know, you know, too much about her. But apparently her dad is an inventor. Her dad is the person who embedded that heart thing into her chest. And also he might be a terrorist um wait what (laughs) okay no no seriously like these these thieves are just like you know your dad like he put this in you but then he like holds you up away and like people want to steal the heart thing in her chest her father might be part of some sort of terrorist plot to overthrow the the crown but also queen elizabeth like um sanctioned the theft of this young girl like there's like so much shit already that's happening also, for all of you out there, my base who like the QC shit, there's a corgi in this show that has a top hat and a heart on his butt, and he also Aww. has a mechanical arm. Like he, like he has like a fake arm. One of the guys on the team is like an inventor. The other one is like a cook, and then Arson Lupin is like one of the thieves. So you, as it goes through, you know, like they're trying to teach her how to be like basically be a person because she has been holed up all this kind of you know all this time dog there there is a plot twist that comes i think in episode six or seven just hold on to your butt okay like i read ahead on the wiki and i audibly gasped when i got to it so i feel like it's just going to be really good when we get to that part so it's it has like you know like cutesy stuff like you know like this like back and forth like there's like physical comedy and shit like that 
but there's hella intrigue because like is her dad really a terrorist like what the fuck is going on here why is the crown trying to steal a little girl are they really trying to weaponize a child of course they are this is anime um but yeah like we should give it a go of course i need to watch darling in the frank so that tam and diva will stop you know abusing me but and i will i promise but i look i needed to watch something new so code semicolon realize slash guardian of rebirth it's only one season thus far but it just came out i think it came out at least uh on hulu it aired in 2017 so don't hold on to any hope that there will be a season two who knows um yeah it aired from october 7th to december 23rd 2017 so it's like fresh and brand new but i think it's like really cute and the animation is nice and i like I like the steampunk era of anime, like the uh, the weapons and like the fighting and that kind of stuff. And then just I have so many questions that need to be answered. So we're all going to find out together. I have one. Um, Yay. As I mentioned earlier, um, Junkyard Dog is my new anime bay, And that's because I've been watching Megalobox. Um, it is on Crunchy. I don't know if it's on Hulu. But interestingly enough, fun fact, this is probably one of the first sports anime that I've ever really gotten into. Um, And I think that's because there's a bit of a sci-fi element in it. And also the animation makes, and the animation and the music kind of makes me think of Cowboy Bebop, um, except it's more hip hop. I feel like Cowboy Bebop was more like jazz. Yes, it was. Yeah. So this is more like hip hop. Kind then you think of thing. Samurai Shampoo would probably be a better analogy. Yes. Thank you so much, my knowledgeable diva. Um, but this is an anime that came out this year, and it's apparently the commemoration of the 50th anniversary of a manga called Ashita no Joe. And it takes place in kind of this dystopian, kind of futuristic setting where um you have citizens, licensed citizens that live in the city, and on the outskirts you have these poor people who are unlicensed and there is kind of this underground boxing thing called Megalobox where people box, but they have these kind of mechanical attachments on them. Um, and then we have our main character, Junkyard Dog, who is an underground boxer who's really good, but he loses all of the their fixed fights. He loses his fights so that he can get a cut of the winnings. Uh, but essentially he gets fed the fuck up. He's like, fuck this shit, bitch. I'm trying to win Megalobox. And essentially, it is his journey to win and compete in the Megalobox Championship where only licensed citizens um, are allowed to participate. But you already know he's going to get uh, a fake ID because that's what real people do. Like, True. If I'm, trying, if I'm trying to do something, I'm going to do it how I can. Um, but it's really good. The music is good. It's not super action-y. In, I guess in the sense of like action that I would typically tune into, but I'm very enamored with this character and his story. And um, every every time he fight, you'd be like, this this boy about to die. He about to really get his head knocked off, but he, he bounced back up. So yeah, if you are into sports anime or into like a Samurai Champloo kind of Cowboy Bebop kind of vibe, I would recommend this one. Alrighty, it says, I don't have a recommendation for this episode. I'm going to say we have reached the end of this journey today, ladies. Um, listeners, if you have any thoughts, suggestions, comments, or concerns 
You know that you can always reach us on Twitter at OutlawBarsPod. Um, if email is more your thing, you can email us at what is the email address? OutlawBars at fanbros.com. Um, if you want to talk to me about any and everything, um, I am available most days because Adiva does not work right now. Um, and you can reach me on the Twitters at Deadly Diva. And ladies, let the people know where they can find you. Hey, friends. You can find me on Twitter at Simply Show Pay. And you can find me on Twitter at Bruja Bantan. Alrighty. It has been real, and we will catch you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.